Hello, I'm Stu Sensei and welcome to the Stu Sensei English Podcast, the place that helps you unlock your English ability. Let's crack on with the show. Hello, welcome to the Stu Sensei English Podcast with me, Stu Sensei. Today, I'm talking with Will from Ask Teacher Will, and we are talking about whether a student's background affects the way they learn English. So, obviously, you're you're in Saudi Arabia at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you're from America. So, what are the biggest cultural differences you have noticed with your students? Do they make any mm, mistakes while speaking in English? Not because it's a mistake necessarily, but just something that's not natural because it's something that comes from their community and translated over. Yes, but I'd, I'd like to share a couple of mistakes I made. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's certain words that are culturally within Saudi Arabia that is utilized that might not be utilized outside of, you know, say the Arabic world or the, or the, or the Muslim world uh, or Muslim majority country, like inshallah um, or my eyes. So yes, I think those aren't necessarily mistakes, but those are statements that you used in terms of, you know, when learning English. I think a mistake or one of the, you know, things that we talked about culture, and I want to take a step back very quickly. Culture, you know, it's so, from my perspective, it's so important to understand the impact that culture makes, makes in language acquisition. In this case, learning English. You know, there are a lot of people that I know of, you know, when they're learning English, I'll use William Land. I'm from William Land. I want to leave my culture at the door. Really? I'm American. When I teach, I don't leave my culture at the door. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, if I'm teaching like today we're gonna learn idioms, I don't leave my like American culture at the door. I don't leave the fact that I'm an African-American male at the door. No, culture is part of how you learn the language. And so that's important because if I'm a teacher, whether I'm teaching face-to-face, online, or if I'm delivering content, it's important to understand certain cultural references. It will help the learner to understand whatever the particular English concept is. So if I'm gonna teach something and I'm in Saudi Arabia, as an example, I'm not gonna necessarily use the Statue of Liberty first. I might wanna use like say the pyramids or the Kaaba as an example. So culture is extremely important. With that being said, I have had during the course of my tenure of being in Saudi Arabia, I have made a, I wouldn't say cultural, well, okay, I'll be honest. Uh, I had a cultural faux pas. So here in, uh, when I first came to the country, um, the men and women are, t- are, are taught separately, you know, because of uh, cultural religious institutions and so reasons. And so I remember when, uh, when I was at a language institute, I uh, did a training, the training was co-ed and a lot of things are changing in Saudi Arabia. They can or not, they can do what they want. It's their country, it's their government. But I gave a training like, maybe like four years ago. And um, it was a co-ed training with a bunch of leaders. And I remember I met this woman, the woman was attending the training and uh, I went to shake her hand. I was like, oh, no, that's a cultural faux pas because in this culture, women extend their hand. Some women will shake, some women will not be touched as a man. So I think it's important that number one, from a learning perspective, content providers or teachers need to understand the cultural nuance. And then also I think that learners need to understand and be open if they want to, to the different ways that English is taught and culture is expressed. What do I mean by that? Number one, 
if I'm from a, let's say, uh, for example, keep me honest, dude, this is my understanding. People in Japan and other parts of the uh, Asian culture, it is, it is considered a sign of honor that if you meet someone or that you respect someone that you bow, that is something in Arab culture that is considered disrespectful. And so I think learners need to understand that, hey, if you're asking for respect to be respected for your culture, or however you identify yourself, is to be mindful of that as well. Another example, yes, I'm American. Yes, I'm an African-American. That's fine. We all have color. Yet my communication style might be a little uh, different from what a learner is accustomed to. So up in time, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, other people do not express themselves or like, but typically, you know, my culture stuff, we're loud, we're passionate, we use our hands and people think that we're matter upset. I yeah, might sure. not be as, as calm and as posh as Stu, for example, <laughs> right? But, you couldn't say that to a British person. They wouldn't think I'm posh at all. But. Okay, but you know what I mean. So, <laughs> I mean, I think that's the thing. It's understanding those cultural nuances and being able to understand that. And so I do remember that as an example when I made that faux pas. But I've been here so long, and I think you can, maybe you can relate to this or not. It goes back to something earlier I was saying. I think hopefully, uh, I hope the ATW family gets this is I think one of my values and strength is, is that I normally say, hey, listen, when I need to think like an American, I think like an American. When I need to think like an Arab or a Saudi, I think like that. Why? Because we live in the culture. And so again, having that cultural understanding and the nuance, certain body language is very important. Like, you know, if uh, there's certain body expressions that if I do here is considered a sign of affirmation or even a sign of disrespect, and so understanding those nuances and cultural variables are extremely important. 100%. So a good example of that here is in the West, we tend to hug each other when we see each other. Yeah, and that's definitely a no-no here. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like exactly, a perfect example. So here in Saudi Arabia, right? Like, that's you know, I, I first remembered, I, you know, I met my men friends and they're kissing me on the cheek. I'm like, what? We don't do yeah. that in America unless I know you, unless your family members are very good friends. So. Again, that's the aspect that culture makes. The final point I would say in terms of understanding culture, it is for a learners that really, again, if they choose to think critically, get outside of the box, is to look at different content and different material that is outside of the United States and the UK. Yes, we love the fact that you watch Stu's stuff and he's from the UK. And I'm grateful if you watch the stuff a teacher will does from America. But you would be surprised of the various different content out there, like say if you're from India, if you're from China, if you're from Japan, that's showing that. And again, understanding the cultural nuances and, and particularly the body language, particularly for those listening that are in the business world and are doing business internationally. The simplest gestures by understanding maybe how to say hello or goodbye in one's uh, mother tongue of the language that you're conducting is extremely important. So again, expanding the definition of what you think that English can be and culture plays is extremely important. You think it's easy to do because, you know, in, in the last 30 years, obviously technology has sped up things tremendously fast. And I don't think that we had a massive uh, change when, as we've been going forward before that, you know, there weren't significant cultural changes in the speed that we see it now and especially in some cultures perhaps they haven't they're not used to that kind of situation so do you think that 
with English, obviously now we can access anyone, teachers anywhere, we can talk to students, students can talk to students from different places. And this often causes some issues because of different the different cultures or religions or anything to do with their to do with their background. Um, do you think it's easy for someone to go to another country and experience culture shock and accept it immediately? Wow, great question. So the first thing that you reminded me of is there's a uh, information on the internet that I would encourage anyone to read. It's called six to six. Is it called? Yes, the six degrees of culture. I think that's a really good material that people should look and read if they have the opportunity. Why? Because again, we're in a world of 8 billion people. There might be those that, you know, in the world that want everybody to be the same, act the same, dance the same, eat the same, play the same music, pray the same way, be the same religion if you believe in religion or things of that nature. That's not the way that the world is. So what I would say is the following. The opportunity for a learner to be exposed to different cultures is available. While at the same time, I recognize and realize that every culture is not inquisitive or might have, not every learner might have the, the same desire to do that. There might be particular pressures internally uh, because of religion aspects or spiritual aspects where that is considered you know, disrespectful or something that's shunned upon. I mean, I'm from the United States of America. I mean, I'm glad about being American. I recognize and realize that, yeah, and I'll talk about my country for a moment. America does good things and bad things. And I can talk about that because of my country. But I do recognize that we are a little bit more diverse than other parts of yeah. the world. And so I do think that people have the opportunity to do it if they want to. People have the opportunity to hear and, and listen to different cultures and learn about different cultures and, again, different accents. But yet, that might not necessarily be encouraged. One, because you know they have no desire to do it. Two, because it doesn't fall into that standard narrative in English, and the standard narrative exists, or the standard accent exists. And or, you know, my sense of honesty. Listen, there are parts of the world that if you are an other, however you define other, whether it's your skin color, whether it's your hair, whether it's your gender, whether it's your religious affiliation, if you have one, whether it's your orientation, whether it's your class, there's certain parts of the world where if you are the other, you could be isolated or, or isolated from your family or even killed. And I think that's important to understand. So as a teacher, I just say, listen, you have the opportunity and you have to govern yourselves accordingly. Last point, is there culture shock? Let's say for example, if a person goes into, you know, let's say I'm from William, well, let's not use fictitious William land. Did I have culture shock when I first came to Saudi Arabia? Of course I did. I never lived here. Did I do my research? Did I do my due diligence knowing about, you know, understanding the rules of, and, and the cultural norms of the country? Yes, I did my research before I came. But did I experience culture shock? Yes. Why? Because I never lived outside of the United States of America. So that culture shock exists, a learner will make a determination of whether he or she will decide to adjust, assimilate, not assimilate. Why do I say that? A lot of learners that I know have a desire, they want to go to a native English speaking country. Oh, Stu, listen, can I go to the UK? I want to improve my English. Or the only way I can improve my English is if I go to the UK or I go to the United States. Well, there are people that I know from various different parts of the world that have gone to the United States because they want to improve their English. 
they've been there for six months, nine months, or even a year, their English did not improve significantly. Why? Because they only hung out with people within their particular culture. So what do I know? What do I mean by that? There's someone that I know that was from Japan. They went to the United States of America. They only hung out with Japanese people. They didn't have an opportunity to practice their English. Why? Because they were only speaking Japan, Japanese, excuse me. Same people that I know, there are people that I know that went, you know, from Saudi Arabia. They, you know, their parents and their father spent like a lot of money to send them to America. They were in America for six months. They come back and their English is the same. So opportunities exist. It depends on what you want to do with that. And you do not have to, unless you want to go, you know, you don't have to go to a native English speaking country to be fluent in English at all. Sometimes with reality check, you might not be able to afford it. You might not want to go and you might not necessarily get the right, you might not get a visa approval or whatever, unfortunately, depending on the nationality that you're at. That's a reality. There's a gentleman that I know, he's never left Saudi Arabia. He's one of my good friends. He's like a little brother to me. And if you would hear him, he is more fluent than I am. So opportunities exist. It depends on you, the learner, what you're going to do with those opportunities. Because the opportunities now versus say, you know, 20, 30 years ago when Stu and I were learning another language or wanted to learn another language, it was not there. So opportunities knock learners. People listening, when you have opportunities, what are you going to do with them? Take the opportunities because those opportunities might not always be made available to you. So we've come to the end. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can catch Will on Instagram or YouTube, uh, Ask Teacher Will. Um, But please come back for the next episode. It's going to be another great one. See you there. Ciao, ciao.